message from Connection Community Church for the week of February 28th, 2010. East of Eden, God, I don't understand you. So, Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. East of Eden. Far from God. And as we shared last week, when we are far east of Eden, when we are far from God, we tend to not be able to see Him. We, we don't hear Him. We don't feel Him. We don't sense God's presence. But in addition to that, we don't understand Him. And often that makes us feel even more disconnected from the one who we absolutely need to be connected to. God, I don't understand you. God, I don't understand you. Well, that's what we're going to explore today as we continue to see what it means to live east of Eden. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for this morning for bringing us here. It's not by accident, but by your doing. And now, Lord, open us up as we talk about, think about, pray about something that's really hard to get. And um, open us up, change us, transform us so that we might leave differently than when we came in this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. God, I don't understand you. Have you ever said that? I've said that before when I've been reading my Bible and I come upon a really tough passage that it's like, wow, God, I really don't understand you. Maybe you've been there yourself. Mm. But, But even more than not understanding the Scriptures when we read them, how about the idea of, Um, God, I don't understand the things you allow to happen. Things like, if you follow the news, that earthquake just yesterday in uh, in Chile, and the tsunami that followed, and the death and destruction that's part of that. The earthquake just last month in Haiti, the the flooding from Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans back in 2005, the tsunami in Thailand back in 2004. And it's not just those natural disasters that make us wonder, how about the things like 9-11? Boy, that's rough. You know, that was something done by humans, but we have to question, how could something like that be allowed to happen? And how about the everyday challenges that people face that cause them to scratch their heads and say, God, God, I don't understand you. Like, um, I don't know, let's say somebody who gets ALS, better known as Lou Gehrig's disease. You know, that's a disease where, and here's the challenge, your mind stays perfectly functioning. You know everything's going on as your body deteriorates, deteriorates to the point where it 
doesn't do anything, can't do anything. And you, know, you read about someone who has that, or you know somebody who has that, and you just say, God, I don't understand you. Maybe you've been to A.I. DuPont Children's Hospital. Hope not, but some of us have been there. And we've noticed all the kids with the bandanas on their heads. And we know that they've lost their hair due to chemo, and some of you have experienced that as well. And we just have to say, God, I don't understand you. And then there's the real personal God I don't understand you. It's like, like when I was 13 and my best friend, I get the call that my best friend Chucky died unexpectedly. I mean, his father, our pastor, was our pastor for years, very strong man of faith. I think even he kind of, when that happened, had to kind of stop and say, God, I, I don't understand you. Or when the model for what I thought was an ideal marriage ended in divorce. And even though I was in my early 20s, I cried out, God, I don't understand you. My mother had a series of strokes that um, left a woman who was quite, quite uh, capable of speaking very well, sitting there babbling for quite a long time. And you just wonder, God, I don't understand you. And after three uncomplicated, healthy births, we experienced two miscarriages. And we just had to wonder, God, I don't understand you. Maybe you can relate to what we're sharing here this morning. Maybe there's times in your life where uh, you just couldn't make sense of what God seemed to be allowing to happen. Things that you somehow wish God could change where you kind of said, God, I don't understand you. We're going to take a couple minutes now and just some time for you to think through that, to pray, to consider those times in your life. The steps are open if you'd like to come up. You can pray in your seat. You can go back to the table there. Bruce and Lisa would be glad to pray with you. Just a couple minutes where you just prayerfully consider those times, God, oh, I don't understand you. Just take a couple minutes and, and pray through that. When God doesn't make sense, we need to remember that God has given us free will. God's given us free will, and so because of that, God doesn't, God doesn't control our actions or actions of others, nor does God step in at times when those actions bring bad results, when those things like the World Trade Center happen. You know, we're not puppets. God created us with free will and just doesn't pull these strings, and we're not puppets. And therefore, sometimes we get the results of someone else's bad choices, bad actions, and sometimes others get the results of our bad choices and our bad actions. At the same time, that still doesn't um, 
help us understand things like natural and personal disasters and children and others with deadly diseases and things like that. And we still just want to cry out, God, I don't understand you. There's a guy in the Bible who would um, appreciate what we're talking about this morning. His name is Job. There's a book in the Bible all about Job in the, in the Old Testament. The Bible tells us that Job was blameless and upright, that Job feared God and shunned evil. Job had seven sons, three daughters, quite a bit of livestock, and a large number of servants. According to Scripture, he was the greatest man among all the people in the East. Yeah. Anyway, in the book of Job, we read where God and Satan had a conversation in which God shared with Satan that there was no one on earth quite like this fellow Job. And Satan wonders if the reason that Job is so good is because God has blessed him so abundantly. And, and Satan wonders what will happen if, if God were to take all his blessings away from Job. And so God takes the challenge that Satan offers and says that everything Job has is in Satan's hands, but he's not to lay a finger on Job himself. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, talk about a I don't understand you, God moment here. Uh, this little conversation between God and Satan with Job is kind of the wondering, do they ever have conversations about, well, I'm not blameless and upright, so maybe not, but, uh, you know, if that could happen there about Job, who knows, you know, that's God, who, I don't understand you. Hmm. Well, by the end of the first chapter, Job has lost just about everything. He has lost his children and their spouses, his house, virtually all of his servants, and his livestock. In chapter 2, he's afflicted with a, a dreadful skin disease that, that put painful sores on his body. And then we meet his wife, who wants him, who wants Job to curse God and die. <laughs> and then Job has three friends. And Job's three friends tell him that he must have sinned big time in order for stuff like this to be going on in his life. Wow, who needs friends like this? <laughs> anyway, they go back and forth and back and forth, and there's a lot of conversation between Job and his friends. And finally, near the end of the book of Job, Job basically says this. Now, this is a paraphrase. God... I don't understand you. I don't hear you. I don't see you. I don't feel you. I don't understand you. God, I don't get it. I don't understand you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. But I'd venture to guess when, when, when most of us say it, we, we don't get a direct response from God. At least not as direct as Job got. <laughs> and I'm not sure Job was quite prepared for the response he got. I don't think he was quite prepared for what God had to share with him as God unloaded on him with both barrels, guns ablazing. Here's what happened. 
The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you will instruct me. Now the Lord says, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements? Since you know. Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning sass, stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Boy, that's pretty rough, wouldn't you say? That's, that's really rough. Not exactly what Job was expecting, not what we would be expecting. I mean, can you imagine just being Job and crying out and for the Lord to just go, bam? I'd be like, oh, wow, I'd probably just keel right over. You know, the Lord is really direct and to the point here with Job. And actually, this scripture is just the beginning because the Lord keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. He lets Job know in no uncertain terms that he is God and that Job is not. It's almost like, and actually he did say this, but here's a, a carryism paraphrase. Who are you? Who are you to question me? I'm the creator. You're the created. I know everything. You don't. And so our challenge is this. God is big enough to handle all of our questions. God's big enough. But here's the hard thing. God's not required to give us an answer. God doesn't have to explain God's self to you or to me. We don't have God... um, We... In other words, we report to God. We don't have God report in to us. And yet we, we do not only question God, but in our questioning we, in effect, judge God. It's kind of comical, really, if you, if you think about it, us judging God, the God of the cosmos, the God that put everything in the universe together, and we're kind of judging him questioning him, but we do, and we want him to answer us, to answer to us. We want him to make sense to us. We want to understand God, and I'll tell you why I think that is. It's because that which we understand, we can control. If I don't understand it, I can't control it, so I want to understand it so I can control it. And here's a truth that's a challenge for us, but it is a truth that will always be, God will not be controlled. As I think we preached a while back, God is out of control, out of our control. Listen to the words found in Romans nine fourteen through 16. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, 
but on God's mercy. And we don't like the sound of that because it means that God will choose how God gives mercy. Not me. And the thing is, I want him to not only be fair, but I want God to be predictable. I want, and I want to be able to do the predicting of how God's going to respond to any given situation. But we're told in Scripture that God is other than. God is other than you and me. You might have heard this. It's in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. This is a place where you can mark it in your Bibles. This is a good Scripture for us to remember. Let's say it together. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, we got to remember this. God, God is good. And if you shared a couple of weeks ago, yeah, God is good all the time, all the time. God, God is, is good. good. Amen to that. We shared a couple weeks ago, God is love. Say it. God is love. You know, and God is just and God is merciful. Say that. God is just, just and God, God is, is merciful. merciful. Yeah. Those are truths. Absolute truths. And, and that allows things to happen for God's reasons. And God's reasons are so far beyond us that we can't even start to comprehend God's reasons most of the time. And, and God's not required to share those reasons with us. I mean, why would he? Come on. He's God. And we're not. And it's a good thing since God's picture of things is so much bigger. I mean, Time has no bearing for God. God sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow all in the big picture. We're confined. We're roped in. Um, and even if God did share with I'm not sure we'd even understand it. Because we're somewhat limited. One thing we've got to remember, and this is, this is absolutely crucial, not just today, but all of your life. God does not want to lose any of us. Say that with me. God, God doesn't want to want lose any of us. of us. Scripture tells us God, His desire would be all would be saved. God wants to spend eternity with all of us. That's God's desire. Um, and, um, and I think because of that, There are times that God does things or allows things to happen that may seem harsh and brutal to us, but with that in mind, they may actually be beneficial, big-picture, long-term thinking. In 1967, a diving accident left 17-year-old Johnny Erickson Tata a quadriplegic for life. Listen to what Johnny says years later in the preface of her autobiography entitled Johnny. She writes, What happened on July 30th, 1967 was the beginning of an incredible adventure which I feel compelled to share because of what I have learned. In the Psalms, we're told that God does not deal with us 
according to our sins and iniquities. My accident was not a punishment for my wrongdoing, whether or not I deserved it. Only God knows why I was paralyzed. Maybe he knew I'd be ultimately happier serving him. If I were still on my feet, it's hard to say how things might have gone. I probably would have drifted through life, marriage, maybe even divorce, dissatisfied and disillusioned. When I was in high school, I reacted to life selfishly and never built on any long-lasting values. I lived simply for each day and the pleasure I wanted, and almost always at the expense of others. So I'm not going to say that God caused the accident that paralyzed Johnny, but God sure did use it to bring her closer to him and to use her to bring others closer to him. We often say around here that God never wastes a hurt. Can you say that with me? God never wastes a hurt. I just started reading a book a friend uh, uh, lent me. It's called 23 Minutes in Hell. And, and, and it, it's a guy writing it has been taken to hell, I guess, for 23 minutes. I'm just in the beginning of it. And uh, his description, well, let's just put it this way. You don't want to go there. You probably already knew that, but this really, really brings it home. I mean, you just think about the absolute worst, worst, most horrible, most painful, most tragic part of your life. Multiply it by a gazillion, and then imagine that going on for eternity without a break, ever, with no hope of a break, ever. Our challenge is eternity. We have trouble fathoming that because we're finite in our thinking. We, we have to have beginnings and ends. I was thinking this morning about God, how God never began and just always has been. And you start thinking of that for a while and your, your smoke will start coming out of your ears. We have trouble because we need boundaries, but God doesn't have boundaries. And, and likewise, hell has no boundary. I mean, it's eternity. It's forever. No end, no end. And it's not only a place you don't want to go, God does not want you to go there. See, God wants to share eternity with you, not apart from you. He would like you to choose God for your eternity, not to choose to be separated from God for eternity. He, he wants to do… I'd say God will do anything to keep you from the throes of hell, to keep us from the throes of hell. Anything. Virtually anything. Even if that means allowing us to be uncomfortable. Even if that allow, means allowing us to be in pain. Even if that means allowing us even to be in misery for 20 or 30 or maybe even 60 or 70 years, which we think, how could that possibly be a fair God who would keep me in pain for 70 years? Well, I'll tell you how it's a fair God. If that pain for 70 years will keep you out of eternity or out of hell for eternity. If that pain for 70 years will allow you to be with God 
that's going to be a whole, for eternity, that's a whole lot better than the eternity that Satan has planned if that's where we end up. And when we look at it like that, pain and misery, challenging as they are, aren't as bad as they seem when we compare it to an eternity with Satan. You know, when, it, when it's all said and done, and um, when we don't understand God, we, we basically have two choices. We can go two ways. We can choose to follow God, or we can choose to turn from God. We can choose to follow, or we can choose to turn from. It's a really good chance that we're not going to find out what God does and why. And a lot of our questions will probably not be answered in this life. And it's not going to matter in the next. (laughs) But we can choose to trust or we can do what we've... Some people say, you know what? If a God is like that, if a God is a God that's going to cause suffering and cause this and cause that, I don't want any part of God. Well, the question becomes, then what are we left with? Absolutely nothing. Because at the end of the day, when we choose to follow God, even though everything else seems to be stripped away, we still have God. And when we have God, we have hope. But when we turn away from God, we have nothing except darkness and disaster. And so we have a choice to follow or to turn away. I want to close this morning with a, with a story. Um, there's a guy named Jeremy. He was leading worship for a church group out there in San Diego when he first met this girl named Melissa. Well, he fell in love with her just after just a couple of months of dating, and when he told her this, um, she said she didn't feel the same way. And she suggested they break up. They were kind of going opposite directions anyway, and she, she said she needed more time for the Lord, that she felt that God was preparing her for something. Well, a few months later, she called him to tell him that uh, she had ovarian cancer. And so he went to visit her in the hospital, and she was smiling. She said that she was smiling because if she were to die, this is what she said, if she were to die from cancer, and that resulted from one person accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, for her, it would be worth it. Well, Jeremy cried all the way home, and he prayed an interesting prayer. He said, Lord, if she tells me she loves me, I'll marry her. (laughs) So about two weeks later, he gets a call. She said she needed to talk to him. She said she'd been praying a long time, and she just wanted to let him know, in her words, (laughs) you can guess, (laughs) I love you. And so five months later, on October the 21st in the year 2000, they were married. Well, 
during their honeymoon, she began to have stomach pains. And after the honeymoon, they found that her cancer was back with a vengeance and that there was nothing that the doctors could do and that her time left was, was pretty short. Mm. And it didn't make a whole lot of sense to Jeremy because they had prayed very hard. They prayed, prayed, prayed. People all around them had prayed. People all over the country, maybe all over the world had prayed. Looking back, this is what Jeremy says. He says, I would read about how God healed in the Gospels, and I would throw my Bible across the room. I question whether God is a loving God. In frustration, I would say, I don't want to share in your faithfulness because I don't think you are faithful. So many times I would pound on my bed because I wanted to punch something. The hardest part was trying to understand why she had to suffer. We would watch her cringe and cry because of the pain. Well, Melissa died in February, just less than four months of their four-month anniversary. She was 21. And Jeremy was with her in the hospital room. And when that happened, Jeremy says that an indescribable grief just fell over him. And the weight of her suffering was over, but he felt the grief of her being gone. So he says this, We always had worship music playing in the background. I remember the Lord speaking into my heart and saying, Jeremy, I want you to stand up and worship me. I remember standing up and raising my hands. That was such a good act of obedience for me. Just saying, Lord, I don't want to do this, but I know this is why I am here. I remember not wanting to ask God why, but finally did. And God always spoke to me. He said, Jeremy, I don't always want you to know why, because I want you to have a testimony of walking by faith. Well, who we're speaking of is a worship leader songwriter named Jeremy Camp. And Jeremy Camp wrote the song, Walk by Faith, on his honeymoon before he ever knew, really, what was ahead of him. Remember what the Lord said to him, I don't always want you to know why, because I want you to have a testimony of walking by faith. We don't know why bad things happen. We don't know why there's suffering in the world. We don't know why many of you are going through some things that are just really hard. Really hard. And we do cry out, God, I don't understand you. But then God speaks into our hearts in one way or another. And says, I'm God. I'm going to walk with you through it all. Because God has promised us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. We are never out of the grip of our loving Savior. 
And God does not want us to go into that place far and detached from him, but in fact run to him. We walk by faith, not by sight. And we can walk that way because we can trust our Lord and Savior who created each one of you for his purpose. You're invited now to to pray again. You can pray from your seats. You can pray on the steps. You can pray back in the prayer corner and lift up whatever it is that's in your heart. You know, the stuff that you struggle with, the challenges, those God, I don't understand you moments, or possibly the joys. But as we pray together, you're also invited, if you so choose, to stand and sing, Walk by Faith. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. see will because this broken road prepares your will for me